The following is audio from The Refuge Church. Every sermon is an invitation to understand, obey, and enjoy God. More information about The Refuge Church is available at therefugechurch.us. In each one of us is a deep, inherent longing to be home, a place of peace and security. Home is the place we finally belong. The road back home is often long and dangerous. The people of God will sing, would sing these psalms of ascent as they traveled towards Jerusalem to worship God. We now learn these songs as we travel towards New Jerusalem. We are still on our way home. We are longing for a better country, a heavenly one. We believe that home is found only with God. God has invited us to come and these are songs for the journey. These psalms, songs that we are talking about are, are these psalms of ascent as we look at Psalm 120 through, through 134. And uh, I think there are weeks that we maybe especially feel called home, like this is not the place that is ours. Um, when you feel that way, when you feel like you just need to get away and be in the presence of God when you feel troubled by life, do you have a safe place you go? Does your heart long for a certain place here on earth? Um, For me, that is the mountains. Um, There are specific places I think of going, places that are serene, tranquil, places I finally feel detached from a lot of, if you think about this, think of... um, walking through the mud and your shoes just collect so much, you know, places that that finally some of those things that collect on you, you can just let go of. And that is the setting for Psalm 125, which we're looking at today. Uh, We have the the psalm writer has escaped into the mountains and he's considering what it's like to be there, what it's like just to be with God and assess what's happening in the world around him because of finally being in that place of safety. So um, read this with me, Psalm 125, and you'll see this context. It says, Those who trust in the Lord are like Mount Zion, which cannot be shaken, but endures forever. As the mountains surround Jerusalem, so the Lord surrounds his people, both now and forevermore. The scepter of the wicked will not remain over the land allotted to the righteous, for then the righteous might use their hands to do evil. Lord, do good to those who are good, to those who are upright in heart. But those who turn to crooked ways, the Lord will banish with the evildoers. Peace be on Israel. The, um, if we get back to the very beginning, um, I want to take a brief moment to, uh, to give you some background on Mount Zion and the reason for that is uh, Mount Zion is really ubiquitous throughout the Bible. We hear a lot about Mount Zion, and it's used in a lot of different ways. And this is actually the first time Mount Zion is referred to in the Psalms of Ascent, uh, even though it will be referred to many, many more times. And, and simply when, when Mount Zion was referred to here, what, what they would have thought of is a, is a couple things, not just one thing, uh, depending on on the context that you say Mount Zion, it can mean uh, place, it can mean uh, Jerusalem itself, 
can mean the hill Jerusalem is on. Oftentimes, Mount, Mount Zion, and this was used more and more as you get into the prophets and then even in the New Testament, Mount Zion is referred to really as a promise. It's a symbol of the promise God made to King David that his throne would be an enduring throne, that God would place himself on the throne of David, one whose kingdom would not end. And so think of it, it's this place, it's also a a promise. And you see this in, in Psalm 132, which is still in the Psalms of Ascent. Listen to this, it says, The Lord swore an oath to David, a sure oath he will not revoke. One of your own descendants I will place on your throne. If your sons keep my covenant and the statutes I teach them, then your sons will sit on your throne forever and ever. For the Lord has chosen Zion. He has desired it for his dwelling, saying, this is my resting place forever and ever. Here I will sit enthroned for I have desired it. I will bless her with abundant provisions. Her poor I will satisfy with food. I will clothe her priests with salvation. And her faithful people will ever sing for joy. This is Mount Zion, a place where, where we hear that the throne will go on forever and ever. Interestingly here, I don't, I don't think either those huge general themes are, are what the psalmist is talking about. I think what the psalmist is talking about here is something far more personal. And it's kind of fun that that is the first, this is the first way Mount Zion is referred to here. I think um, the psalmist is talking about something intensely personal here when he looks at Mount Zion. I think he's not just talking about this promise, but thinking of David and his throne, these big kingdom themes of general people, everybody. Listen how personal it gets here. He says, those who trust in the Lord, think of it, think of it think, I want you to picture someone just sitting in the mountains saying this, those who trust in the Lord are like Mount Zion which cannot be shaken but endures forever as the mountains surround Jerusalem so the Lord surrounds his people both now and forevermore. So when I read this, what I think of is um, uh, several trips I've taken up the Brothers Mountain. Now the first time I was up the Brothers Mountain, it was foggy. I was with with Nate and uh, you couldn't see anything. I mean, you could have been standing on a rock in front of your house. Who knows? You know, it was just so foggy. You really couldn't see anything around it. And then last year, I, I got to climb it again. And, um, and the Brothers is the mountain that if you're traveling from West Bremerton to East Bremerton across the Warren Avenue Bridge, and you look to the left, and you have the whole, you know, scope of the Olympic mountains, and this that one smack dab in the middle, it's the biggest, and it has these kind of two twin peaks up on top. That's the Brothers, this large, imposing mountain. And it, and it seems so majestic and almost, uh, you know, just, it's otherly at that moment. It's, it's yet close, but yet so far away. Most of our lives, we spend looking at it just like we would a picture on, on a fridge, right? Well, standing on top of it on a clear day, you can look down and survey the whole Kitsap Peninsula. Okay, we're on the Kitsap Peninsula right now, just, just to, for you to get your bearings. Um, and you can see the Warren Avenue Bridge, you can see the Minette Bridge, you can see Silverdale, Bremerton, as if this little miniature village 
far away. And, and what happens as you're up there is, is all the things that when you're here, when you're, for some of you, you're across the street from work, right? For some of you, you're at work, right? Like, as, as you're here in this place that, that can be so full of challenges and, and chaos and decisions and responsibility, when you're looking down on that from the Brothers Mountain, you just get to look at it. So you get to survey it, and, and you do, like you feel here, distant from those mountains. When you're up there, you feel distant from the problems in the same way. And, and that is what he's saying here. The, those who trust in the Lord are like Mount Zion. Get it? He's not going to these big general themes. He's just saying they're established like a mountain. Like this mountain that you're on the brothers, and like it's just there. You're standing on top of this you know, thousands and thousands of foot jagged mountain. And you go, those who trust in the Lord are like that mountain. They're just established. And so there's these three ways he describes it. As, as this psalmist meditates simply on what a mountain does. What, what do mountains do? Well, they're just there. They cannot be shaken. This is the first thing. They're secure. Their, their foundation is firm. When you, when you look over to the Brothers Mountains and you see all the Olympics, you're expecting that every day you look over there, it's just going to be there, right? Secure, unshakable. The second thing is this, they will endure forever. There's a permanence to the mountains, right? And we're not even getting crazy spiritual. We're just literally just going, what are mountains like? And those who trust in the Lord are like those mountains, there's, there's an established nature. They, they endure forever. And, and what I love about this, especially as we look at the, the firmness of their foundation and the permanence that they have there, I think this is what we look for when we go to the mountains. If you drive in the city, you can expect it to be different every time. When you go to the city, there's always, there's stores coming in, there's buildings getting built, there's always change. But you go to the mountains for consistency, Right? I think of um, being uh, southern side of Mount Rainier, and there's this there's this grove of trees called the Forest of the Patriarchs, and there's there are these hundreds and hundreds of year old trees, and you simply walk among them. That's the whole point of going, just to walk and to be present in this place where there has been permanence. Time has passed, and things have not changed. And there's something for us that's healthy there, right? Where we go and, man, I go back home and I'm like, got to sweep, got to, you know, like roost leaking, whatever it is, like all these things, when you go to the mountains, you're like, I can just be. And of course it's grand and it's big and there'll be rain and all these things, but there's this permanence to it, even with the changing of the seasons. And listen, this is, as the mountains surround Jerusalem, so the Lord surrounds his people, both now and forever. And so there's this sense of safety out there. And we really get that here. I mean, I, we should get this concept more than anywhere else. The reason why the shipyard was placed here, right, is because we're in this really interesting geographic location. We're surrounded by mountains. We're surrounded by a natural barrier to enemies, right? Like, we, we are in this place surrounded and, and, and should feel safe, right? We get these beautiful sunsets over one side of the mountains, sunrises over the other mountains. It's this incredible, incredible place. And as we meditate on it, what we can think of is those who trust in the Lord, 
are like this. They're secure. They're established. They are, there's permanence to this. I, those trees have been here way longer than you've been here. They're going to be here way after you're here. Those mountains, they were here longer than you. They'll be here after you. But those who trust in the Lord are like these things. There's permanence to it. And there's a safety that we find in him as we trust. Now again, keep, don't forget where you're sitting while we're reading this, right? You're sitting on top of the mountains. Because you're going to need this as we get into the next two stanzas. Because the next two stanzas start dealing with, with the conflict and the challenges that we face when we're in the city, right? And so, so as you're sitting on your, your mountain perch and you're looking down over Kitsap County, the, the two things that we see in the, the next stanzas are this. Don't forget to look to Zion when evil people are in power, don't, don't forget the, per, the mountaintop perspective when evil people are in power. And don't forget the mountaintop perspective when good people lose their way. That's the, that's the two standards. Don't, don't forget the safety, permanent security you get trusting in God when evil people are in power. Don't forget that. Don't forget the safety, permanent security that you have Trusting in God when good people lose their way. And so first looking at, at how do we not lose it when evil people are in power? The scepter of the wicked will not remain over the land allotted to the righteous. For then the righteous might use their hands to do evil. And so what the psalmist is remembering sitting on his mountain perch, considering the security of it, trusting in God. He's holding on to a God who has made promises that, that we can hold on to, right? While wicked people, while you're looking down and wicked people might have authority, might have power. Now, Remember that the Psalms of Ascent are like a hymn book collected over hundreds of years, different hymns collected and put together so they could sing it as they traveled towards Jerusalem. Now these were written by different people. And, and one of the assumptions is that this was written, this Psalm particularly was written during the time of Nehemiah and Ezra. So uh, during the time of Nehemiah and Ezra, now, now to place them in, in context of history, uh, they were leading the people of Israel back to the promised land, back to Jerusalem, back to their place, Mount Zion, from exile in Babylon. Now, the reason why they were exiled in Babylon is because for hundreds of years, I mean, think of First and Second Kings, First and Second Chronicles, for hundreds of years, as they would go to Mount Zion, they were going anticipating, those who wanted to be faithful to God were anticipating they were going back to a city ruled by a corrupt king. Even Israel and Judah were separated and sometimes there might be an okay king in Judah but 10 out of 10 times you're getting a bad king in Israel, right? And so but as, they, as they worked their way back and they would anticipate the, the, anticipate the scepter being the scepter of David 
or who the promise was made to, that there will be one, there will be one whose kingdom does not end and righteousness will be his rule and reign. But, but they went back anticipating that the scepter would be in the hands of someone who was wicked. But even more than that, knowing that when evil people reign, righteous are tempted to do evil. And this is a sobering thing. I mean, think of think all history, right? Think of um, Nazi Germany. And you, you, have, you have a handful of people who really stood and there was a resistance. Beautiful souls like Diedrich Bonhoeffer and, and those who were part of the resistance. But think of all those people who, who likely were righteous people, right? Who wanted to follow God, who just gave in because evil people had rule and reign, right? I think oftentimes we paint history as if it's like, you know, they were just, a lot of times you have people who want to do right, who, who compromise, participate in evil because evil has become the culture of the place that they live. We have this this hard to understand verse in the New Testament referring to Lot. Lot was the nephew of Abraham who was who, uh, who's sort of the patriarch of Israel, right? And, and, and in the New Testament, it talks about Lot who was righteous Lot who was tormented by the evil that he saw day in and day out in Sodom and Gomorrah. But, but when we read his story in the Old Testament, we would not think of him as righteous one bit. You read him and you're like, you're just, you are a bad man. You're a bad father, you're a bad husband, you're just a bad dude, right? You've got bad written all over you. But so how do we understand in the New Testament it's saying righteous Lot was tormented by what he saw day in and day out. And it's this, I think, right? You have, when the scepter is in the hands of the wicked, it says it will not remain there over the land allotted to the righteous. But because he's holding on to these promises. He's, he's looking. He's able to step back and look at what's going on in this city. He says, because if the scepter is in the hands of the wicked, then the righteous might use their hands to do evil. And this is what we see Sometimes we need to step back and get a perspective on this because it's super confusing. I mean, I think of, of Elijah in 1 Kings 18, right? The Mount of Carmel. And, and he's, he comes to God and he's like, I am the only one left. This is what he's saying to God. God, I'm the only one left. God says, no, I've reserved some who, who haven't bowed their knee to Baal. But sure, we feel that way sometimes. We see we see not just others, but even ourselves tempted to use our own hands for evil when we're caught up in the context and the culture of the city and the community that we live in, right? Okay, breathe. Remember where you're sitting. You're on top of the Brothers Mountains. You're just looking down at all this happening, okay? Like, this is, remember the context. This is helpful. We're, remember those who trust in the Lord are like Mount Zion, right? Hold on to the safety, permanent security and we get in that context because when we, when we submerge ourselves like into this city and the culture, we're like, man, it's so hard to keep context of what it means to, to trust in God and live that out. Now, the, the um, last stanza, uh, how do we look to Zion when uh, good people lose their way? It says, Lord, do good to those who are good, to those who are upright in heart. I think the, the prayer here simply 
is, God, may those who are doing righteousness, may they see the reward of that now because it's discouraging if you're wanting to do what's right and, and you just keep getting abused for it. Like the, the, the song turns into a prayer at this point. God, man, God, do good to those who are doing good. It says, but those who are turned to crooked ways, the Lord will banish with the evildoers. And he just goes on, he goes, this is hard to understand. And for you, think of it. It might be a, 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 someone you grew up with, someone you, you played toys with as a kid. Who, what, what, we, what would we say? went off the rails, you know, they just, you see where they're at now and you're like, man, I remember playing toys with that kid. Somebody you went to youth group with or, or maybe a, a pastor of a church that you were a part of that didn't end well, right? They had an affair. Or they just left the faith. What do we, what do, we do with that? And, and that is... You're sitting up on the brothers looking down at Kitsap County and you, stories fill your mind of people that you've known and loved who aren't walking with Jesus anymore. You're feeling, you're feeling the rootedness and the safety and security as you're away, just able to be with Jesus. But then you come back down into the city you live and this is going on close to you. It's hard to maintain context, right? It's painful, it's hard, it's confusing. So, so, so confusing. Those who trust in the Lord are like Mount Zion. What does it say? They're, they're like Mount Zion. They, they cannot be shaken, but endure forever. The mountains surround Jerusalem as the Lord surrounds his people both now and forevermore. And so what I just want to encourage you with is this, maintain this context here. And <clears throat> there's sort of this breath prayer that is prayed at the end from this mountain perch, right? Peace be on Israel. Shalom. God, may you bring unity to Israel. May all Israel unite in the peace that comes from your presence and trusting your promises. So this is who the people of God are. The people of God are those who have found themselves securely in the promises of God. Promises of God that as we trust them, we are like Mount Zion. Now, what does this look like? As we, as we work our way forward and as we're in the Psalms and we look at the Old Testament, it can be hard because there, it can feel like we're, we're in that conflict sometimes as we read the Old Testament, right? And then we come to Jesus and I want you to see Jesus as one who lived this out perfectly. What we hope to do, what we, we hope to do is, as we, we want to find ourselves secure, safe. We want to participate in the permanence of the promises of God. We see in Jesus one who did that perfectly and, and get this, and who does that for us perfectly. What Jesus did when he lived wasn't just for himself, but it was for us when he escapes to the mountains over and over again to get context, to hear from the Father. He did that, he did that for himself. <laughs> he did that for you, making an example for you to follow. And I want you to, 
to um, lean in with me really quick as we hear his conversation with the Father on, on one of the occasions when he did this in John 17. If you have your Bible, you can turn there with me. Um, John 17, we're going to look at verses 1 through 5 and then 24 and 25. It says, Jesus looked heavenward and he prayed, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your son. And what he means by the hour has come is he's going back into the city where he's going to be crucified and killed, right? That's what he's going back. The hour has come for that. Glorify your son that the son may glorify you for you granted him authority over all people that he might give eternal life to all those you have given him. Now this is eternal life that you know him, the only true God and Jesus Christ whom you've sent. I have brought you glory on earth by finishing the work you gave me. And now, Father, glorify me in your presence with the glory I had with you before the world began. Now, now look to 24 and 25, just as he concludes here. He says, Lord, Father, I want those you have given to me, me to be with me where I am and to see my glory and the glory you have given me because you loved me before the creation of the world. Righteous Father, though the world does not know you, I know you, and they know that you have sent me. I have made you known to them and will continue to make you known in order that the love you have for me may be in them and I myself may be in them. So what the psalmist was talking about, those who trust in the Lord are like Mount Zion, they're established, they're, they're secure, there's permanence to that. There's safety in that. You find all of that here. Listen to this. It's so beautiful. This, now this is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God. That, do you hear the permanence in that? As he, as he prays for them, I want those you have given me to be with me where I am and to see my glory, the glory you've given me before the creation of the world. See, what, as we're reading the Psalms of Ascent, I think a lot of times we're like, I want to participate in that. And I think uh, right, there always was that longing until we, we f- come to Jesus. One who doesn't just desire to do it perfectly, but does do it perfectly and then gives that perfection to us, that we can have full participation in what goes on between the Father and the Son and the Spirit, and he just invites us into that. It's so good and so beautiful. And so, so what I, I just want us to do today, I, I don't know uh, what's happening in your life at all, I know what's happening in my life, uh, um, is to take that mountaintop perch. I mean, imagine yourself. I, it's actually very vivid for me in my mind, right? And I wish you could see what's going on in my head because I literally can like see the view from the brothers as you look as I look down on Kitsap County and just see it. And and, and as I'm standing there, I, I I can see it in a different context. I get perspective, right? And so as as we hear this, get that perspective, the Psalms of Ascent perspective on what it's like to, to look down and see what's happening in the security of what Jesus perfectly offers us, himself. Those who trust in the Lord will be like a mountain. Those who trust in Jesus will be like a mountain because in him there is security, there is safety, and there is permanence, no matter where you are at in the journey.
no matter where you're going in the journey. You can find that in him. Pray with me. Father, I pray that we as a church can just rest into you right now and all you offer. Father, that you said yes to the prayer of Jesus, that we would be one with you because his offering was perfect. Our righteousness in Jesus is perfect. No matter what we're experiencing, and might find ourselves a part of at any moment, at every moment, we are safe, secure, permanently so in Christ. Thank you so much. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.